0: Kevin O'Brien here, the FF Engineer. I host the Fantasy Football Engineering Podcast, where I bring on a guest each week to discuss a wide range of topics, all to apply practical knowledge in order to design, research, build, and maintain your dynasty rosters for now and beyond. I borrow brilliance from each guest and share how I leverage many different areas of expertise to accomplish common goal of competing all year round. Subscribe to the podcast iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. everybody and welcome to the 20th episode of the Player Raider Podcast. I am your host, George Kretikos, and joined with me is a man who may be fighting some fall allergies, but he's not allergic to a good dynasty value. It's Ryan McDowell. Ryan, what is going on, my friend?
1: Things are good. I, I enjoyed week one, had a successful week one, and uh, ready for some week two action.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm sitting I think in second place in the kitchen sink 3 league. Uh that's probably about as good as I'm going to do this season, but but I'm I'm happy to see what happens there. Uh maybe maybe a trade is on tap for me and we can certainly uh talk through some players that that maybe I need to look out and acquire in that league, but uh so let's talk a little bit about this episode, Ryan. What do we have on tap?
1: Yeah, this is our pint-sized episode. So we're going to talk about some players who are physically undersized, but uh, their their fantasy points, their dynasty value certainly is not undersized. So I'm, I'm excited to to talk about some of these players who, I, I think, because of their size, some, uh, sometimes get undervalued in dynasty leagues. It takes us a little while to come around on these guys. I don't know if that's the same way you feel, George.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I think maybe size Twitter has calmed down, you know, in the last uh, year or two just because of some of these guys, honestly. Uh, and, and, but, but I still think there is a bit of a stigma, you know, if they don't have that prototypical size, that prototypical, uh, you know, bulk, uh, associated with whichever position they're playing. But, uh, let's get right into it, Ryan. Let's talk about Tyreek Hill. I know you're not too familiar with him. Uh, Mm -hmm. Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver, uh, 5'10", 185. Uh, I imagine you're probably the highest on, on Tyreek Hill. Uh, but but let's go through the ADP first. He's he was 22.3 in the uh, September ADP. That was between Julio Jones and AJ Green, a couple of receivers maybe who are a little bit more of what uh, most draft Knicks are looking for. Uh, he did go as high as 15 in one draft. He went as low as 26 in another. Ryan, so we're talking about mid or late second round there, mid second round kind of at the earliest. Does that feel about right to you, or do you feel like he's being a bit undervalued?
1: Yeah, I, I actually think he's being undervalued at that point. Uh, I asked a question on Twitter about a week ago, I guess, just basically asking people to predict which player would break into the first round of, of dynasty startup drafts or, or ADP by next offseason. And although Tyreek Hill was not one of the most popular answers, he was my answer. I think I think this time next year or, or next offseason – He'll be in that late first round range.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm with you there. I think you could argue his his value itself, I mean in terms of his production, his age, his situation, might already have him in that in that range, even if people are a little slow to react. And and, and our top two hundred rankers, they have him pretty similarly regarded relative to that ADP. They have him at twenty-one between Melvin Gordon and Joe Mixon. But there is a ranker who has him all the way up at 9. There's another ranker who's all the way back at 31. Uh, so so we have a pretty wide range there. You know, Ryan, when you think about where he could fall in the first round, I mean, do you see his ceiling being kind of a mid-first-round guy, or do you think there's still too many uh, talented players, both at wide receiver and running back, for him maybe to, to, to break that high into the first round?
1: I mean, if we're talking about just over the next year, I would say that mid-first-round range is... Uh, is probably the ceiling. But at this point, I've seen more than one person compare him to Antonio Brown. And while Antonio Brown has, has never been uh, our 1.01 in dynasty ADP, which is kind of surprising in itself. uh, He, he, he probably deserved to be uh, and and maybe for maybe for a long stretch of, uh, of time. So you know, at this point, I'm I'm not sure there really is a ceiling for Hill.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. And I think maybe Brown just had the misfortune of Odell Beckham breaking out the way he did. Uh, otherwise, it probably would have been Brown kind of having that, that stretch as the top player drafted. So positionally, Ryan, he's at the wide receiver 10, which is very surprising to me when you think about his overall and his uh, ADP a little bit. He's between A.J. Green, once again, and, and Amari Cooper in that case. Uh, I believe, Ryan, you're the highest at, at wide receiver five, and we actually have someone who has him all the way down at wide receiver 24, so that's a pretty big range. Uh, I, I believe I have him at six right now. Like I said, you have him at five. We're clearly on the bullish side of that equation, Ryan. You know, when you think about some of these other young receivers, I mean, are there, you know, Michael Thomas uh, obviously has also been productive, but then you have guys like like Amari Cooper, uh, Corey Davis and others who haven't been. So how do you kind of make that comparison when you think about upside versus kind of that production for these young players?
1: Well, before we go any further, I do want to give credit to Jeff Miller. He he also has Hill as wide receiver five. And I, I know we, it, it's hard for us to give credit to Jeff, but uh, we we should do that now. He's He's been a big fan of Hill's on-field game for quite a while now. And, and I recently moved Tyreek Hill up to five, but I think Jeff had him, had him there already. So he's, he's in that group with us. When you look at Hill's value, I think he deserves to be compared to those young wide receivers who have been productive, which includes, I think you mentioned Michael Thomas there, Devante Adams, uh, Mike Evans would be in that group. But the other names you mentioned, I don't think it's fair to put those guys in with, with Hill at this point, we've seen Amari Cooper, of course, have some production in his first two seasons, but then we've seen a season uh, plus now of frustrating performances. And as much as I love Cooper, and you know I'm the anything for Amari guy, you have to be realistic about what we're seeing on the field and what his what his outlook is. So to me, Cooper is is a tier below, uh, at least a tier, uh, and then Corey Davis is honestly, not even in the conversation with Hill for me.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you there. And, and, and it's a good point in regards to some of those other young wide receivers who have been productive and have stayed productive versus Amari, who's who's clearly had some struggles uh, as of late. So let's talk about some of these recent trades that we've seen. Uh, the majority of these, uh, unless I note otherwise, it did occur before the week one games. We're recording right now before week two begins. Uh, so, so there may be some additional fluctuations, but I think this is a pretty good representation of what we should see right now. Uh, so let's start with the first one. You mentioned Antonio Brown. This trade does include him, so it's Tyreek Hill and Duke Johnson for Antonio Brown. This this occurred pretty close to Week One, so this wasn't very far back. Most of these trades are within a week, maybe two weeks at most before Week One. So. Uh, You know, as you think about it, 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 does that feel fair to you? Would you just take Tyreek straight up in this case for for Antonio Brown? Or do you need that kicker for Antonio Brown at this point?
1: So this is where I I would say rankings... You want to understand that rankings are not a trade tool necessarily. It's just a starting point, just like we said for ADP. And I do rank at this point Tyreek Hill over Antonio Brown, but I also understand market value and, and I understand how both players are valued by the consensus. So if I'm making a deal like this, I I would expect to get a piece back with Tyreek Hill. That being said, I I don't know how valuable Duke Johnson is in this type of deal. uh, Obviously a a bigger trade. Duke Johnson is essentially just a throw in player at this point. So I would side with Hill, the Hill side, but ideally maybe a, a, (laughs) a more useful second piece or, or even I think I'd even prefer a future second-round pick over Johnson at this point.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think I agree on the point of, of maybe having another potentially startable asset or maybe another young player that I would feel confident could turn into that starting asset, whereas with Duke, I know obviously he had a great year last year, but with his situation, we may not see a return to anywhere near what, what he did last year. Uh, as much as I do like him, and, and I'm sure you uh, you know appreciate his game as well, uh, but, I'm, but I'm with you on all counts. So let's go to the second trade here. Uh, Another wide receiver for wide receiver deal, Tyreek Hill for Adam Thielen and a 2019 first. Is this the type of package up you would want to try to do to get a guy like Tyreek Hill, Ryan?
1: Yeah, I think this is a a really smart trade. I love buying back years if you're talking about players with similar production. And and I do think it's fair by the end of the season to expect Hill and Thielen to be kind of in that same range. Uh, Low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two, Uh, but Thielen is... Uh, three or four years older than, uh, than Hill, and I would be willing to give the first along with him to get up to Tyreek Hill.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you there as well. I think, um, you know, the to your point, you know, trading those years for that production, you know, keeping that production, especially if you're a contending team, being able to keep that production. If you're the Thielen owner, you're you're contending, and you can get a guy like Hill in this scenario, I think would work out really well. Uh so let's go to the last trade here. Uh Tyree Hill and Kenyon Drake for Amari Cooper and Royce Freeman. You know, a lot of interesting pieces in this trade, Ryan. Where are you where's your head at on this
1: one? Yeah, I like I like a lot of these guys. Tons of upside in this deal with these players. Um but also outside of Hill, a lot of a lot of questions, a lot of uncertainty. To me it's it's pretty simple. Again, we've said on here we don't always match positions, but in a trade like this, it makes it pretty easy. I prefer Hill to Cooper, although it's close. I like both players a lot. I'm not as high on either of the running backs, but I do uh, I do probably prefer Drake to Freeman at this point. So that that makes it a slam dunk for that side
0: yeah yeah i'm I'm with you on that Drake versus Freeman, especially after we saw week one. Obviously, this trade occurred prior to week one but but we now know that Freeman does have a little more competition than maybe we anticipated, and not necessarily in the form uh that we anticipated it being in so uh, i'm I'm with you there. I think Hill and Drake would be the side I would prefer as well. so let's talk about uh hill's a d p movement over the last year or so um you know as 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 kind of leading up to the season.
1: yeah he's actually been pretty steady. Uh, going back to December, the end of last season, he was at 29 overall, uh, by the spring April, he was at 21 overall, and then kind of held in that, that range, uh, late second round, early third round, 24 in May, 22, June, 23, July, and actually dropped a little 25 in August. And Hill is really one of the players that, uh, as I was thinking about the ideal spot to be in, in an, in a startup draft this off season hill is really the one of the players that made me think drafting earlier in the first round is is better so if even if you have the 1.01 and you can take todd Gurley or um or your favorite running back and then come back in the second round uh, second third round turn with tyreek hill and maybe another receiver like uh, like Juju Smith or Allen Robinson, somebody like that. So to me, that's that's an ideal start. And um, a, again, I think in a few months, that's going to look like a major discount.
0: Yeah, definitely two really productive guys. And you, you can still consider yourself building a contending team, even though you get a pair like like Gurley and, and Hill, because they're the type of guys who can not only lead a, a dynasty team, but could lead a redraft team if, if, if you were playing that game as well. So uh, let's go to our next guy here. We're going to go to Devonta Freeman, the the Falcons running back. He's 5'8", 206 pounds, so uh, a little on the bulky side, but uh, I wouldn't say that that he's vertically gifted, uh, (laughs) you know, to be nice. Uh, He did get hurt after Week 1, but again, most of this occurred prior to Week 1. So ADP just under 24, so right at the end of that second round between Stefan Diggs and Rob Gronkowski. He went as high as 19, as low as 29 Ryan I know you know Freeman's Freeman's a tough one here because we do have a lot of good young running backs in the league right now does that feel a little high to you
1: yeah it does and um, this this could certainly be recency bias in, in my mind as as you said he did have that injury week one also really struggled to gain any yardage in week one uh, against the Eagles but Freeman feels like a, a guy who the the bottom could fall out as far as his dynasty value. I, I wouldn't be surprised if next time or this time next year, we're talking about him as a fifth or sixth rounder rather than a second or third rounder.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. There's some downside there. Our, our top 200 rankers don't agree. They have him at 23 as well. So very similar between Joe Mixon and Stefan Diggs again, Uh range of 18 to 30. So very similar in that regard. So it seems like, not just the uh, DLF community, but also the, the ADP, you know, the, the rankers, or I'm sorry, the drafters from our uh, monthly ADP. They they feel very similarly on, on Devonta Freeman, or at least they did prior to week one when these uh, ADPs were collected. So let's talk about the DLF position rank. He goes as RB13 between Joe Mixon and Jordan Howard, uh, as high as 9, as low as 18. You know, as I think about, uh, you know, RB13, that feels a little early for me to, to to pull the trigger at the end of the second round for the RB thirteen. I don't know about you, Ryan.
1: Yeah, I actually have him at RB thirteen myself currently, but I think he could be in for a fall. Like you mentioned earlier, with so many young running backs, and we've got this rookie class, but we're not quite sure how to value those guys yet. The majority of those those rookies have actually kind of shown us the downside to start their career, whether it's injuries or struggles. But RB13 feels a little rich. It, it definitely feels like there's a teardrop there at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Let's let's talk a little bit about some of these trades. This first trade actually did occur after week one, so they did know about this Devonta Freeman injury. Uh, so it was Devonta Freeman in a 2019 second for Stefan Diggs. I thought that was interesting. That feels really rich. Uh, for the Stefan Diggs uh, you know i i think the stefan diggs owner you know got didn't get that much back considering he knew about this injury ryan
1: yeah this one uh is pretty easily diggs for me there was actually a similar trade to this in one of my leagues uh freeman and a small piece uh, in addition for diggs and i thought the i thought the diggs side won that one as well of course uh, this yeah yeah this this is pretty convincingly, the dig side. I just don't think they got enough there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think I would have went the dig side even before the the injury, but I mean, that definitely sways it even more so. Uh, so second trade here did occur before week one. I want to make that clear because uh, of some of the players involved here. Uh, so it was Devonta Freeman and James Conner on one side for Dalvin Cook and, and Vance McDonald. Uh, Ryan, as you think about this, obviously it's hard not to be a little biased because we know what happened in week one with Connor and we know leading up to week two, that, that he'll be the guy again. How do you feel about this deal?
1: Yeah. Connor is, is a fun topic for sure. I actually just wrote an article for DLF that was, um, I I described it as player raider in article form, uh, (laughs) looking at James Connor's value using some of the tools that we have at DLF, just like we do here on this show. And obviously he's a player that's surging in value and having that hindsight to look at this trade. I think we have to take that Freeman and Connor side uh, pretty easily. It's, it's basically those two potential starting running backs versus Dalvin cook. And, and again, we've kind of seen the, the downside with him through one week with the running back by committee, the, um, potentially Latavius Murray having the goal line looks Uh, I did like how Cook was used in the passing game I think that was encouraging but uh, and and he's not a player I'm I'm worried about as far as his long-term value but just factoring that in I think we have to go Freeman and Connor here prior to week one this is I, I probably would have been on the other side so no you know no faulting either side on this deal really
0: yeah, absolutely. It looked it looked pretty even to me prior to kind of week one, just because we didn't know what Connor was was one going to do, and two, if he was actually going to start, because I think there was still that hope that that Le'Veon Bell was going to come back, uh, and and you know play for the team this season, and maybe that still occurs, and maybe we look back at this trade again and we think the other way around, you know, a few weeks from now, we just it's it's hard to say, but I'm I'm with you there. Uh, so let's do the last trade here. A uh, lot of pieces. They're not all necessarily valuable, but a lot of pieces here. We got Devonta Freeman, Jay Ajayi, and Kelvin Benjamin on one side for Nick Chubb, Jordan Howard, and J.J. Nelson on another. Uh, seems like those wide receivers are more or less a bit of a throwaway versus the other pieces in that deal, Ryan. How do you break this one down?
1: Yeah, this is this is pretty ugly, actually. A, a lot of players I typically avoid in this deal I think we have to go with the Chubb and Howard side, but th- this is this is pretty even. Ajay had a uh, had a good solid debut, uh, as as did Jordan Howard. I thought, uh, and again, a lot of talk about his usage in the passing game that will kind of end up determining his value and and obviously his production this year. So fair deal. I'm I'm going with Chubb and Howard here.
0: Yeah, and, and you know I do pull these from from PPR scoring leagues, so so you know Freeman and Ajayi obviously a little more valuable in those leagues versus uh, Chubb and Howard typically um, as as far as kind of that additional uh, boost because of the point per reception. But I but I do agree with you. I think the Chubb Howard side to me is, is slightly more appealing. Uh, you know I I just have more questions with Freeman and Ajayi at this point than I do with Chubb and Howard, and so it just feels like the safer side. But I do agree with you. I think it's a fairly even deal. Uh, overall, so let's talk a little bit about about Freeman's uh, ADP over the last uh, you know calendar year or so, and uh, what movement we've seen from him.
1: Yeah, he's another player that's that's held pretty steady, actually, in that same range as Tyree Kill, dating back to December at the end of last season. He was at twenty-two overall, so the end of the um, end of the second round, we did see the dip in his value. And we've talked about that on here because he he is viewed, I think, as kind of one of those boring players. And we get excited about rookies or other young high upside players and, and, and they maybe take precedent. So we saw a dip 26 in April, 30 overall in May, and then began the climb back to basically where he was at the end of last season, 28 in June, 26 in July, and then 25 overall in our August data.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, kind of what you you said, you know, we tend to see these veterans kind of lose a touch of value kind of post-draft and, and right around that time frame, and then it kind of climbs right back as we get towards the season. Uh, so so let's go to our next guy, rookie uh, Baker Mayfield, the the Cleveland quarterback, 6'1", 215, uh, so definitely a bit smaller for the position there, uh, but still win first overall in the, the NFL draft, so clearly the Browns at least didn't have any qualms about about Baker's size, but it is the Browns. So, so I'm not sure how much we can trust that. Uh, so, so right now he's, he's coming in at 162 is his, is his ADP at the moment between Richard Matthews and then another quarterback and Matt Ryan, as high as 148, as low as 173. That's actually a pretty tight range for a quarterback because we tend to see these drafts really value quarterbacks differently because the ADPs that you conduct are one quarterback leagues.
1: Yeah. And, I, I'm honestly kind of surprised Mayfield is this high at this point. Uh, what what we saw with a lot of the rookies and the young players in general is that their ADP got pushed down as people started focusing more on those win-now players in our August and, and even in our September data. So Mayfield and, and most other rookies dropped quite a bit. To me, the the great thing about Mayfield, if you own him at this point, I think even if we don't see him at all, even if this whole year is just Tyrod Taylor starting, and the Bill and the Browns, I'm sorry, kind of, you know, showing some improvement, but I've I've seen six wins thrown out a lot. Maybe they get to that point. Uh, I still think Mayfield gains value just as uh, as a result of being the presumed starter in 2019, having a pretty good core of uh, offensive playmakers around him. I think his his value is is set to increase almost no matter what happens this season.
0: Yeah, I would I would uh I would concur on that point. And I think, you know, any any positives that we can gain for the offense this year, uh you know, I know you mentioned wins, but I mean, you think about the wide receiver production, any production from this offense. I mean, it's all going to be positive news for a guy like Mayfield who's going to walk hopefully into a better situation uh than, than what we look at it today in terms of Landry, Gordon, uh, and Joku, anyone else in that offense. So uh, I'm with you there. Our, our rankers, our top 200 rankers, did have them pretty, uh, you know, significantly higher by comparison. Had them at 125 compared to that 162. So we're talking about, you know, about what is that, three and a half rounds or so worth of value uh, between Pierre Garçon and Greg Olson. So a couple veterans. Uh, we had one ranker have them all the way up at 117. Another one had them all the way down at 163. Uh, so it's interesting that that our rankers are a little bit uh, on a different kind of wavelength with, with uh, Mayfield than we see with our, our ADP drafters. So um, positionally, he comes in at QB 18 uh, right after Mitch Trubisky, uh, just before Ben Roethlisberger, as high as 16, on one board as low as 25 on another. Where do you have him at, Ryan, and, and kind of what are your thoughts when you when you consider these rookie quarterbacks, and if he doesn't play, how much does he really move around on a board like yours throughout the season?
1: Yeah, I don't expect to see him move too much because, again, I we just don't know how much he will play. And uh, if he does play, we presume it would be the the back half of the season. Right now, I, I, I have him at quarterback 18, kind of grouped with the other rookies. Uh, Lamar Jackson I have at 17, Josh Rosen at 19. So, so right in there, when you look at the guys that I have above those three, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, Mitch Trubisky, Jameis Winston – I think those four players specifically, you know, they're kind of teetering on the edge. We could see, we probably won't see all four of them really fall, but it wouldn't be a surprise if any of them did or, or if uh, multiple um, more than one of those guys did uh, really lose some value this season. So I could see really Jackson Mayfield and Rosen taking a nice jump and and getting close to that QB one range as we get close, closer to the 2019 season.
0: Yeah, and I wonder if, you know, Darnold had a decent week one and, uh, you know, Jackson has has at least played a little bit in the two games. Um, You know, if, if some of these other rookies perform well, does that also elevate Mayfield just based on the fact that, you know, he was drafted before them and, you know, he's part of that rookie class. I mean, we've seen that in the past where other players in that same positional class get elevated just because of the production of other players.
1: That was exactly what we saw last year with Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon. Of course, Cook had the injury. Mixon uh, kind of had a so-so rookie year, and both of those guys were being valued basically as RB ones because of McCaffrey and Kamara and Hunt and Fournette. So I, I think you're you're spot on. If we see some of the other rookie quarterbacks perform well, that could help Mayfield's value. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's get
0: to some trades here, and and I focused on one QB league since our ADP, our our, our rankings, our. our one QB that we're looking at here. Although keep in mind, if you're listening, you always go to Dynasty League Football and we do have two quarterback super flex ranks as well. Um, but for the purposes of this, we're going to focus on one QB leagues. Uh, so the first one we're going to do here is Baker Mayfield in a 2019 fourth for Sam Darnold in a 2019 third. I thought this was interesting. You know, you have one round of difference in those rookie picks. Obviously, uh, you know, Mayfield and Darnold, a pair of rookie quarterbacks, they're going to each have their detractors. Kind of where do you sit uh, in terms of these two, and what is that gap for you?
1: The gap is is not wide for me. Uh, I, I have had Darnold as the quarterback four in the class pretty much throughout the the off season, and and now as we enter the preseason. I'm sorry, the regular season. But but of course, we know now, again with hindsight, that uh, not only was Darnold the first one to start of these rookies, but he started pretty strongly despite that pick six on his first throw. So I think this trade was probably made prior to week one. And again, I understand it from that standpoint, but I think at this point, just knowing Darnold started out pretty well, he's, he's turning these, uh, kind of average looking weapons into playmakers, at least, at least through one game. We don't want to base too much on that, but I wouldn't be willing to add anything to Darnold to get Mayfield at this point.
0: Sure. And I, I think that's fair. I mean, what we do know is that Darnold has the job and Mayfield right now doesn't have the job. And that's something uh, that we would have known even before these games had started uh, when this trade was made. You know, Darnold was the starter even at that point. So so I, I, I completely understand what you're saying. I'm still a Mayfield fan. Um, you know, I, I, I just like him a little bit more as, as a prospect. But I, I agree with you. I think it's it's a very close deal, um, and and you know that little trade up of of the pick certainly doesn't hurt if if you're the uh, you know if you're getting that Darnold side, um, and you do see them as close, and and I'm with you. I I have them pretty clustered in my rankings as well. Um, so the second second trade, another quarterback involved in this one with Mayfield. So it's Mayfield for Ben Roethlisberger, Julian Edelman, and a 2019 first. Uh, so a couple veterans and a draft pick for Mayfield, Ryan
1: how do you feel about that one? Yeah. I'm wondering if you accidentally clicked that super flex option because this, you <laughs> know, one quarterback, uh, league, this looks way off for me. Um, I would not give a first round rookie pick for very many quarterbacks in the league right now. Uh, of course our, our guys at the top, uh, Rogers and, and Watson and guys like that, uh, would be understandable. But when you get really outside of the top five or six, I'm not trading a first rounder for them. Uh, and to add a couple of, of veteran fantasy starters like Roethlisberger and Edelman, really, this one just doesn't make sense. I'm, uh, unless we're missing something, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a contract league. There are small details that we don't always know on, on the trade finder, but on face value, I'll, I'll take the, the veterans in the pick pretty easily here.
0: Yeah, yeah, you, you made a couple of good points. I think uh, the the biggest one being, you know, very few quarterbacks are worth that that future first round pick, and and so that that was very easy to pick that side. But to your point, you know, it could be a contract league, um, could be a salary league, it could be some of those components that we maybe don't capture quite as well. But yeah, this is a case where it's a pretty clear one side. I mean, it's pretty nice to have. Uh, a potential starting quarterback if if the former Mayfield owner you know, didn't have that. He gets a guy who's going to come back after four weeks, and he can start right away, plus he gets that pick. So, yeah, that's a pretty nice little haul uh, for Mayfield. Uh, but let's do the last one here, a uh, bit of a package deal. So it's Baker Mayfield, Kenyon Drake, and Chris Godwin on one side, Marcus Mariota and Doug Baldwin on the other. There's a lot of hindsight here that you have to kind of block out as you think about this because this did occur prior to week one, Ryan. But where's your head out here?
1: Right, absolutely. I think prior prior to Week 1, uh, this would have probably been a win for that Mariota-Baldwin side. Now that we know Week 1 saw both of them get hurt, there's actually a little bit of talk of a quarterback controversy in Tennessee, which is, is just amazing when you really think about it. But it has not been a good – it was not a good preseason for Marcus Mariota, despite the changes that the Titans made uh, with bringing in some – some uh, players on offense and the coaching change, of course, Uh, he's a player that's scaring me in dynasty right now. And if, if I have him, I'm, I'm not feeling too good. I think this trade was probably made with the idea that moving from Mayfield to Mariota was a quarterback upgrade moving from Godwin to Baldwin was, was a wide receiver upgrade, which uh, value wise, it still is. But at this point, Baldwin's hurt. And Godwin looks like he's about to take over that starting job in Tampa Bay. And, and while Drake had a, a fairly quiet first week, he, he still, of course, has some fantasy value. So now I'm taking that package of Mayfield, Drake, and Godwin. But as we said earlier, uh, that, that's with hindsight only. A, a week ago, two weeks ago, this was a win for the Mariota side. So all in all, a fair deal. And, and it really just goes to show how much one or two weeks can change things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he made a lot of great points there. Uh, you know, and it's it's kind of sad that there's a quarterback controversy when Blaine Gabbard is the other option. I mean, that really speaks a lot to where where Mariota is at this point. And, and unfortunately, both his offensive tackles are injured as well, which isn't helping him in the least. I think they're both going to miss week two. Uh, so there's really a lot of problems there in Tennessee. Um, and, and honestly, to your point, you know, a week or two ago, we really didn't look at it that way. And I think we're, we're really seeing it, uh, unfold at this point. And this is kind of a, a, a good opportunity to kind of say, look, when you see these things that happen, sometimes trading when things get a bit low is actually better than waiting and hoping they go back up because it could just certainly go much lower. Um, and that could definitely be the case with a guy like Mariota. Uh, so let's talk about the ADP, Ryan. Let's look at Mayfield's movement uh, since, the, since he was introduced to the uh, ADP, I believe, in February.
1: Yes, February is the first time we see the rookies included in the My Fantasy League database. So that's also the first time they're included in our ADP at DLF. And Mayfield entered with an ADP of 171 overall in February, 173 in April. And then by the time that we had that draft information, we knew the landing spot. Obviously, in Mayfield's case, we knew he went first overall. That gave a nice boost to his value. He jumped. Uh, over 30 spots from April to May up to 142. And that ended up being his high point. Dropped to 156 in June, 172 in July. And then, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I was a, a bit surprised to see him climb back up in August as we uh, as we got closer to the season. Jumped almost, I'm sorry, jumped over 20 spots to 151 in August.
0: Yeah, it, it's definitely been an up and down ride for, Mayfield and part of that just maybe all the the Tyrod Taylor news as things were kind of unfolding through through the offseason obviously like you said that May was was due to kind of the draft itself uh, so let's go to our next guy maybe one of the few that I'm a little bigger than in, in Tariq Cohen uh five foot six 179 the Chicago Bears running back you know right now he's he's being uh drafted at 73 uh, between Marquise Goodwin and Mark Ingram, as high as 59 in one draft, which would have put him inside the fifth round. Uh, his low was 96 in that case. Ryan, he's a, he's an interesting guy because he's another one of those kind of unique running backs. And, and it seems like people are a little bit more open to those players to not only put them on their team, but to start them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and Cohen's been an interesting guy to follow his value really after after that week one performance a year ago which kind of came out of nowhere we didn't see him used a ton in the preseason or or at least not used with the the first team and of course I'm talking a, a year ago at this point and then week one of his rookie year 2017 we see him explode and and used as uh the pass catching back in that in that uh offense and his value really skyrocketed from there. And uh, then what we, what happened early this offseason the coaching change, I think everybody kind of told themselves a story that wasn't necessarily really there to be told in that Jordan Howard was going to be phased out and Cohen would be used. And, you know, Cohen is the next Tyree kill because of the Kansas City connection with, with Nagy. I think we just ended up overrating this guy a little bit as as much as I like him and am a fan of his myself I definitely think he he became overvalued uh this offseason
0: yeah and interestingly our 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 rankers in the top 200 didn't didn't really share the the enthusiasm of our ADP drafters I mean they have him at 101 uh just after Jared Goff and right before Carlos Hyde uh, one, uh, one ranker has them as high as 70, so close to that ADP average, but then uh, another one has them all the way back at 126. That that 101 feels a little bit more reasonable to me than the 73, especially as we think about some of the other, uh, I don't want to call them a satellite back, that's probably not fair, but but those other um, kind of running backs that, that maybe aren't three down options, I mean, that feels like a, a much safer range.
1: Yeah, that that's about the range I would be more comfortable with, and The range is actually what I think is really interesting with Cohen. You mentioned in our ADP drafts between 59 and 96, looking at our overall rankings, 70 and 126, as you said. So those are, those are huge gaps in value. And I think that's probably what we would see in dynasty leagues. I saw him traded for a a future first and second as recently as the past couple days. And, and then I think he could be had much cheaper at, at, at some points as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: So so in terms
0: of his positional rank, he's at RB32. So between Aaron Jones and Duke Johnson, uh, as high as 25 on one board, as low as 42 on, a, on another. Again, this doesn't seem to have quite the enthusiasm that maybe that ADP has. It seems like this falls back in line a little bit more with our top 200 drafters. Um, it just seems like maybe that ADP is a little more out of whack uh than 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 the rankings seem to be
1: yeah it certainly could be i've got him at what i'm sorry at running back 27 which to me is about what i expect out of him as far as uh his fantasy ceiling at at running back 27 we're talking a high end running back 3 or a flex option and that's kind of how i feel about him uh, and he he's going to have those big games where he catches seven or eight or nine passes and and racks up some yardage and he's going to have quiet games as well. Of course that's that just kind of goes along with being that that pass catching back in an offense.
0: Yeah absolutely. So let's let's go to some trades here Ryan. Uh, again all these were before week one. Um, so so the first one was Cohen for Sammy Watkins. Straight up deal. Uh, you know I, I felt this was interesting because again, you know that ADP had Cohen pretty high. Um, which which would almost make it
1: seem like that would be an even
0: deal. But but how does this feel to you?
1: Yeah, I think for a lot of people, it's probably panic time on Sammy Watkins. Uh, I think people are getting out for whatever they can in some cases, and this, this might be an example of that. I would still be on the Watkins side here because I do have just some hope that talent is going to win out, and I, I still view him as a talented receiver. But it's obviously fair to to question if he's ever going to live up to that. You look at him now in that Kansas City offense, and you think he's he's at best the third option, and uh, and maybe not even that high. So there's there's some concerns. I'm taking Sammy here, but I I don't blame either side honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean Watkins certainly was paid like a receiver who should be doing uh, a little more than than maybe what he did in Week One. Um, but, but I'm with you there. I, I think Watkins still has enough value that you could probably get a little more than Cohen for him at this point. And, and, and I get that Watkins hasn't been a guy you can reliably start, but but to your point earlier, Cohen's not necessarily that guy either because he's going to have his fluctuations as well. So you're really trading one volatile asset for another one. And, uh, and my opinion is I would rather take that chance on Watkins at this point over Cohen. Uh, so So second deal here, uh, a lot of pieces in this one, a lot of good pieces in this one. Uh, Cohen, Tyreek Hill, a 2019 third for Kenyon Drake and Stefan Diggs. Uh, we talked about Hill earlier. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, you said Tyreek Hill and that's kind of where I stopped listening. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm taking the Hill side. I, I do prefer him to Diggs, although those are both players that you'd be excited to have on your dynasty roster at this point. And the running backs, I don't, I don't really have a strong, uh, a, a strong case for either one. Uh, if I'm, if I'm trying to pick a side between those two guys, uh, it just boils down to I think Hill's the best player in the deal, and nothing on the other side sways me from, from taking him.
0: No, I, I think you make a lot of good points there. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a little more divided on this trade than maybe you are. I really like Diggs, and I, I think Cousins is a great piece, you know, a great quarterback for him to have even with Thielen there, um, and, and he didn't really look to Rudolph much in that first game other than the touchdown, uh, so I'll be interested to see how that works out going forward. I am going to lean towards the hillside, but but I certainly could see the argument the other way, because I could see Drake as a guy who could be a three down back. I don't see that with Cohen, uh, you know, I see a little more reliability there, so it is a little bit closer for me in that regard. Uh, so the third trade here, I, I pulled this one up because this was uh, you know, right around the time of the injury. Uh so it was Cohen for Jarek McKinnon and and so I thought it'd be a good conversation here in terms of that hindsight again, you know, is this a trade you would try to make now? Is this something that, that you would have accepted
1: um after knowing the the news of McKinnon's injury? I mean looking at this trade I I assume this happened post injury because I I don't think this is the type of trade that would have happened prior to McKinnon's knee injury in that he was he was closing in on that RB one range in both ADP and, uh, and most dynasty rankings. So first of all, yeah. So I think it's, it's post injury and knowing that I would easily take Cohen here. We've, we've probably all heard or seen the narrative that the 49ers can cut McKinnon after this season. And they don't, they don't really lose out on much money. It looked like a major long-term deal for him, but, Uh, we know those NFL contracts are not always what they look like on face value. So whether that happens remains to be seen, but McKinnon's not getting any younger. Now he's got a couple of major injuries in his career. And I I talked about the the panic and get out while you can with Sammy Watkins. To me, that's the case with with McKinnon, uh, and I would easily sell him for Tariq Cohen.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you keep in mind, even though McKinnon was going to be a quote-unquote new starter um, with the 49ers, did get the big contract, but to your point, there's there's possibilities there. I mean, he's going to be 27 by the time he gets to next season, and that means there's a whole NFL draft before he's going to get healthy. There's a whole off season of free agency and everything else, so we just don't know what's going to happen there. At least with Cohen, I feel like we have a little bit of security that that he's going to be on that team, that he has a role that's pretty established, Um, and, and we honestly don't know what, you know, some of those other 49ers running backs who are on the roster now are going to do. I mean, someone could emerge and, and threaten his role even then, even though I don't care for most of the talent on that team at this point. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I think Cohen would be the right move, um, at this point. And I actually think it's a, you know, not a bad trade if you're a McKinnon owner, because I, I think most people still kind of, you know, have McKinnon high enough and, and, and Have that idea that an ACL injury isn't necessarily as bad as it used to be and don't take into account that year lost and how much closer he is kind of to the end and, you know, just the bevy of of issues that he's had and and inconsistencies as well. So uh, let's talk about his ADP movement as far as Tariq Cohen is concerned. What have we seen kind of since the end of the season?
1: So Cohen finished out the regular season last year at one Oh nine overall. Again, that's from our December data. And then by the time the spring came, he had, had taken a major jump in April. He was eight up. He was up to 82 overall. So a really nice move there. And then he kind of held in that same range, uh, throughout the rest of the offseason. 87 in May, Back to 82 in June, another nice jump, 73 in July, and 74 in August.
0: Yeah, so that, so that 73 we've seen in September, it's not necessarily a new thing. We've seen it for a few months now, and to your point, maybe related to some of that uh, offseason and training camp news uh, with, with Matt Nagy and, and everything. So it seems like our, our ADP drafters are, are not just bullish this month. They've been bullish for a few months at least. Uh, so let's, let's go to our last guy. I would say is a, a favorite of mine, uh, in Jamison Crowder, the the Washington Redskins receiver, five uh, foot eight, one hundred and eighty two pounds. P over the last uh, over September this last month, eighty one point three between Robert Woods and Trey Burton. Uh, it went as high as seventy one in one draft, went as low as eighty nine in another. So actually a pretty pretty tight range, you know, just over around um, there. What are your thoughts on Crowder and does that feel about right for you in terms of his value at this
1: point in, in
0: terms of the startup draft?
1: I think Crowder's a guy that's, that's being underrated, undervalued, uh, whether that's because of his size, because of some of the other weapons in Washington, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Maybe it's just the quarterback change and the uncertainty that, that that could bring. But to me, Crowder's kind of kind of a value in that, in that area.
0: Yeah, that's where I'm at too. And and you know, Crowder at five eight, one eighty two. We're about the same size, but but that said his his you know weight distribution's a little different than mine. So uh so you know it's not quite the same. We're not quite twins. But uh you know, look at our top two hundred rankers, they actually are a little bit more bullish on him, have them at seventy one, uh between Andrew Luck and LaShawn McCoy. And and someone actually has them as high as fifty two, another person has them as low as one thirty, so really a big range there. Um, which is a little bit different than what we saw in the ADP with the range being a little tighter, Ryan. What do you attribute that to? Do you think it's just uh, you know people not necessarily buying into Crowder as kind of the lead guy in this offense, or, or, or where do you go with that?
1: Yeah, I think there's there's just enough questions with him that it it could be any of those. It could be it could be the size, it could be the usage, the new quarterback as I mentioned. They've got Josh Dotson there who uh, a lot of people continue to be a believer in. They added Richardson, they've got they've got Reed, you know, they have a lot of options. To me, Crowder's really the only one I want out of that group the only one I trust. So I would be maybe not high as that 52 rank that you mentioned, but at least closer to that than outside of the top 100.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so positionally, he's, he's at the wide receiver 34. He's between a couple of rookies and Calvin Ridley and Anthony Miller. Uh, so we have one rankler, ranker as high as 25, wide receiver 25. Another one as low as wide receiver 49. So again, that, that range is pretty big, Ryan, with our with our rankers here. Um, but I have a different question for you. You know, you think about Ridley and Miller in terms of those guys he's ranked between that almost implies that he's kind of has that late first round value. Does that feel about right to you in terms of, of where he would sit
1: if you're thinking about rookie picks? Um, no, not really. Um, and and again, that's just kind of has more to do with the market value. I don't think you have to give a first rounder to get him. Uh, and and I, I do think that's one of those cases where, Rankings and and trade value don't always agree. I think most people would would prefer Ridley or, or even Miller to him at this point. Just uh, banking on the the youth and the the kind of the unknown with those guys versus Crowder, who like Devontae Freeman, is another guy who's just viewed as a kind of boring ho hum player that we know what we're going to get, but maybe doesn't have the huge ceiling.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there and and as as you were mentioning, you know, the youth. I I wonder and I'm uh, I'm trying to look this up as we're talking is he really that much older than two really old rookies and Calvin Ridley and Anthony Miller. So right yeah. now he just Crowder just turned 25. Uh so I mean, he's not probably he's less than a year older than than those two rookies. So it's interesting as you think about it because it's definitely a different mindset given you know, Calvin Ridley came out as an older rookie, as did Anthony Miller. I believe both are in that 24 age range. Uh, so, so let's talk a little bit about some of these trades here, Ryan. Um, so a couple of straight up deals that we'll start with. The first one, uh, again, before week one, it was Jamison Crowder for, for James Conner, uh, one one for one. I mean, definitely before this, for me at least, Crowder would have been the easy uh, answer to this equation. Now, though we have week one in the books, we know that Connor's going to start another week. Has that, does that change for you or would you still prefer Crowder in that situation? I'm assuming you also would have preferred Crowder uh, before the season started.
1: Yeah, you're assuming correctly. I, I, I think that was kind of an aggressive move uh, prior to week one, but right now it looks like the smart move. And at, at that point, at that price point, I would take the Connor side if that was the deal, and honestly, that's probably not a deal you could even get at this point. The Connor, the Connor owner would want more, I think, knowing, like you said, knowing what we know now.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you there. I think I think you really would be hard pressed to get a Connor owner to to make that deal uh, just for Jamison Crowder there's a part of me that still kind of would want the Crowder side, but, but I mean, I, I get it, you know, Connor's in a great situation as long as it lasts, and that, that might be the type of thing that propels you to a title versus, you know, Crowder's a, a good player and you can start him, but, you know, he's not necessarily giving you the kind of weeks that, that Connor can potentially give you in that, that Steelers offense. So another one for one deal, Jamison Crowder for Ronald Jones. This is a little painful, Ryan. I know that, uh, you know, Jones has seen a, a, I don't even want to say a slippage in value. I mean, it's like an avalanche of, of value decrease here. I mean, what do you, what do you think about Jones at this point and, and how does this deal kind of enter your mind?
1: Yeah, there's, there's certainly cause for concern with, with Ronald Jones and, and you hate to say that one game into his career and, and since he was a healthy scratch, I'm not even sure we can say he's one game into his career. Maybe, technically, his career hasn't begun in in that way. He's not a guy I'm selling at all costs or I'm trying to to totally get away from. And in fact, I think I would be willing to buy because I do see that panic out there. With that being said, I I think Crowder's a nice return for him, and I would I would probably prefer the Crowder side at this point. You talked about um, some of our data. Kind of placing Crowder into that late first round range, and that's about where I think Jones should have been drafted. I know he was he was drafted higher than that in in most rookie drafts, but to me, he came in as kind of that late first round range in my rankings. Um, so I'm I'm going Crowder here, but again, this is a pretty fair deal.
0: Yeah, and I, I definitely wasn't trying to entrap you, Ryan, by asking that <laughs> late first round question earlier. I'm not a, I'm not a police officer or anything, so. Uh, yeah i i am with you on jones's value though i i had him as a late first as well i i really didn't see the the hype in terms of that mid first round range i saw him go you know top four in a couple of cases you know at one point in the offseason. so yeah i, I mean I, I i think i would want Crowder in this situation but to, but to your broader point which i think is absolutely correct if I'm owning Ronald Jones, if I had him in a league, I'm certainly not selling him at this point. It is the absolute wrong time, and I don't think the value could possibly be much lower outside of him getting injured while being a healthy scratch. So, so let's let's go to the last trade here, Ryan. Uh, you know, a little different, a little bit more of a, a package, if you want to call that uh, a package deal here. So, Jamison Crowder, Peyton Barber, and a 2019 second for Alex Collins and Adam Humphreys. You know, some interesting pieces here. Obviously, Collins and Crowder
1: are the headliners in this one. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this is an interesting deal. To me, Crowder and Collins are close enough in value that if you're tossing in a a starting running back, even if it's a short-term guy like Barber and a second rounder, I'm going with that side pretty easily. And I guess I would assume this was a a pre-week one trade as well. We haven't seen... Uh, we haven't seen Collins look too good early in the season, but um, I think I would have been on Crowder even before that.
0: Yeah, I mean, Collins obviously had, had some weird, you know, gameplay issues in terms of, you know, week one it was, you know, 40 to nothing, and, and week two kind of swung the other way pretty quickly with uh, the Bengals getting out to a pretty fast start. So, you know, I'm trying not to hold that too much against him, but but to your point, I think Crowder and Collins are pretty close. I mean, that 2019 second alone, when you think about that for Humphreys, much less with Peyton Barber, kind of swings that to the Crowder side pretty easily. Um, and, 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 you know, with, with a guy like Barber, that's kind of, if you're hurting for a running back, he can be kind of a, a short-term solution and, you know, hopefully get you a couple decent games. Not James Conner-level games, probably, but but there's some upside there to to get some production out of Barber. He's at least shown that, that they are willing to give him a pretty big workload uh, when he does have the opportunity to start. So... Uh let's wrap this up here Ryan. Let's talk about the the movement in ADP for Jamison Crowder.
1: Now Crowder has had some some major swings this offseason uh which as we said earlier could could be impacted by the quarterback change, bringing in Paul Richardson and and another offseason to pump up Josh Dotson which which looks to be uh j- just a waste of time at this point, but uh all of those things combined have uh, caused a little bit of a roller coaster for Crowder's value. And in December, he was 66 overall. And, and again, that's based on what we saw in 2017, which was a, a productive season for Crowder. Since then, it's it's been going mostly in the wrong direction for him. Dropped all the way to 81 by April, down even further, 87 in May, 86 in June. And then we start to see a climb up. Seventy eight in July, seventy in August, which makes the the drop down to eighty one in September even even more confusing, I guess. But that's kind of kind of what Crowder's value has been up and down throughout uh his two or three year career. Yeah, and with
0: the with the Darius Geis injury, you would have thought that would have maybe kept him a little bit on the on the more positive side. So it was interesting to your point that that there was that late shift between August and and September. Uh, so, before we go, Ryan, I-, I thought I'd bring up one last thing here. I know that uh, you're on the DLF Dynasty podcast. You guys were talking about some buys and sells, uh, you know, for week one. So, I highly recommend that people go and, and take a listen uh, to that, you know, kind of kind of reacting to those week one games. Is there anybody that you're looking at you know prior to week two i know this this may come out after week two occurs so we're going to see how good you are at this but is there anyone you're looking at in week two to kind of see their performance before you maybe buy
1: or or sell that player yeah one of the guys we talked about um and, and he's not going to play in week two which is a little frustrating but freeman is a guy that i would be looking to sell and and that's that just got tougher with the news that he won't be playing um so i think now if if you are worried about him like I am, I think you have to wait until he returns and maybe even has uh, a, a couple of good games before, you know, before moving him and, and getting a good return.
0: Yeah, and we have a couple of little running backs with Ito Smith of, of Atlanta and then Philip Lindsay, obviously, at Denver. So this might be the year of the little running backs, so this might be the perfect time that we did this uh, this episode. So we'll see how they do this weekend as well. Um, so let, let's go uh, Team Tiny, guys. All right, well, for Ryan and myself, appreciate everyone listening to the 20th episode of the Player Raider podcast, and uh, good luck in week two.